0: Warning: You are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. I'd
1: been forgotten, I'd been married a long time ago. Dango.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> <laughs> You're beautiful. hey hey i
0: wanna be a rock star ah don't worry we're here don't worry it's broken records episode 83 yes it's me it is me don't worry you miss me aren't you stephen hill here i am i'm here with renfrey deadman hello renfrey you're eating something very professional on your part i have to say what are you eating
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) I'm, i'm i'm eating some um hold on they're called um nerds gummy clusters they're very nice
0: just um, for nerds, are they? Mm-hmm. So I couldn't have any. I'm no. too bloody cool. Yeah, you're too yeah. damn cool. But I'm, cool. here
1: I am, resident nerd, eating the nerds. How are you, yeah. Steve? I you haven't okay? had
0: nerds. I used to like nerds.
1: These are like a weird... So they're basically like a chewy centre. Imagine like a like a sort of chew mm. it type thing. Oh, I like chew But then chew it. they are covered in your traditional... Your
0: more traditional nerds. N- nerd.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. Okay. How are you, sir? Good
0: i'm all right thanks mate i'm all right hey listen guys apologies we did say we we're going to be like putting these out every kind of fortnight we have dropped behind schedule a little bit this is for everything in our lives um if you listen to riot act it's an offshoot of the riot act podcast where we search for the worst album ever made if you are listening to this in a kind of time sensitive uh era when we are putting this out we should be putting this out maybe the day before we usually would put out our main brand podcast riot act but um we're not going to be doing that this week. I'm going to download and basically the culmination of two incredibly busy people. I was just telling Renfrey, I mowed my lawn today. So there's that. Um, <laughs> that's not the reason. That's not the reason. But has meant that we literally don't have enough time to record... Or or sort of prepare a right act podcast this week. Um Renfrey, I don't know if you want to add anything to that yeah, at all.
1: Look, at this point I think um it's important to say that like um uh regular listeners will be aware that there have been some um upheavals and some uh difficulties. Um, particularly in my life. Steve is being very generous when he's like, Oh, we're so busy and stuff. It is predominantly Uh, me that is uh, messing this up so look I'm gonna take one for the team and like make that super super clear but um, unfortunately the stuff that is happening in my life at the moment is just incredibly um, important and it sucks that we're not able to do this at this point to the standard and the quality that we would like to and we don't want to put out um well, the quality the quality the
0: quality's been fine it's just the regularity <laughs> let's not let's not shit on the quality people
1: keep reassuring me that the quality is fine and i really appreciate that from people because like that is um you know you get like self-conscious with this sort of thing but like just to say thank you so much to everyone who has stuck by us i think that's pretty much all of you i we, we always get a little bit like um Uh, nervous about talking about the Patreon page, especially when we haven't put new stuff up. But Mm -hmm. it did just occur to me, like, if you really are like, I'm really missing those Riot app chaps and you haven't signed up to Patreon, there is like over a week's worth of content there. And like in this particular case, if you sign up for one month and then like quit it just to get your fix of us, neither of us, like, we're going to be totally fine with that, especially considering that we're not putting loads of new stuff out at the moment. We are going to try and t- our absolute best to get on that post-download. I'm aware that, um I'm saying that, aware that we have a ridiculously busy week next week as well. And um a number of the things that are happening in my life, the stuff that comes up, I hope and think will take X amount of time to do, and then it ends up taking, like, XXXXX X, 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 X amount of time to do, if that makes sense.
0: Like your Metallica hoodie.
1: <laughs> yes, Steve's referring to my stupidly big Metallica hoodie, which I think I got as a 5X uh, just because I like having clothes which are really really baggy on me i've been um the the wonderful person who i'm staying with uh, a friend of uh, mine and yours steve m has been (laughs) has been talking to me about my fashion sense recently and saying that i need to get clothes which actually fit me which is probably something that i should do at some point especially considering i'm 37 uh it's not on the top of my priorities right now i'm not gonna lie but yes i can completely understand so need to get that svelte my svelte body out there (laughs)
0: I need to make it spelt first. But yeah. I've actually done uh, I've actually done 282 active minutes, according to my Fitbit today. That's quite a lot.
1: Hey, that would be that lawn mowing that you've been doing, I reckon. <laughs> it
0: was. It's snackering me. Anyway, listen. Fuck me. I didn't expect that to go. That's more than we're going to do on the album Sorry. this week, I think. Yes. Anyway, that's um, all right. Fine. No, I felt like it was about time
1: that I said something, though.
0: Yeah, okay. All right, now. we're going to get on with it now. Good. Because yeah, no. uh, this is much more of a sort of light-hearted show, usually. <laughs> yeah. um, this one's anyway. going to be a lot of fun, I
1: think. I, I, know I think it you, will. I know you guys have been waiting for a long time, but I, I am quite confident that this one will be worth it because this is a fascinating record, isn't it?
0: It is. So, as I said, we're looking for the worst album ever made in history, and this is one of the 14 albums when you go to, I should say, when we choose these records, obviously not picked specifically by Renfrew and I, they are picked for a variety of different reasons, and when you Google the worst albums ever made, there is a list on Wikipedia, and this is one of the albums on that list. So, mm. in theory, this should be a bad one, that's why it's here. It, it does is. have that
1: reputation, absolutely.
0: It does, yeah. We are going to be talking about Screaming Lord Such, Lord Such, and Heavy friends the debut album from the theatrical uk rock singer and personality released on the 25th of may 1970 before we do that we're gonna go down a flop 20 we could just shave, shave some time off by not doing that really but i'll bust through the, the yeah, flop 20 the 20 worst albums that we've done thus far uh and number 20 it's sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club banned by the beatles ha not really it's the original soundtrack to the ridiculous movie of the same name <laughs> uh Quig" Quig by Eog and Quig. six feet unders graveyard classic volume two testify by phil collins towers of london's blood sweat and towers hard to swallow by vanilla ice the rebirth by little wayne cut the crap by the clash cory feldman's angelic to the core philosophy of the world by the shags asshole by gene simmons little zan's total zanarchy paula by robin thick bad blood by blood on the dance floor methods of mayhem by methods of mayhem concerto and true minor by the true symphonic orchestra double wide by uncle cracker crazy frogs presents crazy hits i'm not a fan but the kids like it by broken side is at number two amazingly and number one still where you would ex- imagine it will remain forever uh my teenage dream ended by far abraham a bizarre bizarre record don't at us because telling us it's good please unranked as well chinese democracy by guns and roses what a funny little record that is but anyway let's get into it the debut album from Screaming Lord Such, Lord Such and Heavy Friends released on the twenty fifth of May nineteen seventy. Lord Such, Renfrey, and you listening, first fact of the day, he's not a real Lord.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a self-proclaimed Lord, real... isn't he? He
0: is. Yeah. He's actually uh named David Edward Such and was a British musician, um kind of who became notorious. In the 1960s for his theatrical live shows inspired by Screamy Jay Hawkins, I think would be the obvious one yes. um, to point out. Uh He used to dress as Jack the Ripper on stage in his early days. Um, Cause he, he came because before, he had a single called Jack the Ripper. Had a single called Jack the Ripper. This is shock rock in the days before the likes of um, The Crazy World of Arthur Brown, Alice Cooper, Kiss... Um, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Merciful Fate and all those people. Yeah. Slipknot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, Marilyn Manson. No, I'm not allowed to talk about Marilyn Manson, yeah. but Marilyn Manson. Yeah. Mudvayne and Ramstein, and all those other things, yeah. what happened in the world of Shock Rock. This is broadly like a kind of um, forgotten, if not starting point, um, e- evolutionary step in the world of shock rock from way 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 back in the day isn't it
1: i'm glad we've established that really quickly and early on because yeah um uh, 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 there's a strong argument for that obviously bar screaming jay hawkins um it's very difficult to think of i mean alice cooper released their, i should say their first album yeah. in 1969 the year before this album came out but it took a little while for Alice Cooper to... I'm not super familiar with his early material, but it took him a couple of albums to get that shock rock thing going, didn't it? Um, and yeah, this uh,
0: to, to the extent of how of of, of of how the people we've just spoken about were doing it. And you've got to think that, you know, Screaming Lord Such, or Lord Such, as he was also known as as well, well released... Also
1: Third Earl of Har- Harrow, uh, as he uh, yes, named himself. Yeah. Yes.
0: Um He released a bunch... He released a bunch of singles in the early 60s and Jack the Ripper, which you mentioned, um, yes. a song which has been covered live by the White Stripes.
1: Right. Wow, yeah, okay, there we go.
0: Um, and also by the British post-punk band The Horrors covered it as well. I think, um,
1: you know what, I think I've seen the White Stripes cover of it. It's, I think it's on the Blackpool. They did a DVD from um, hmm. Blackpool and I think they cover it there. Um, don't quote me on that, but yeah, yeah, I think I've seen that, yeah
0: yeah okay so that song came out in 1963 mm. so which is a good you know six years before this album comes out seven, um seven if you want to be
1: mathematically which is accurate, good
0: yeah. it, yes <laughs> you, you can you can be mathematically accurate and you would be correct to do that i'd also say that is a few as well yeah. i think even we're both right you're really right you're specifically right yeah. and i'm sort of broadly right
1: i mean i'm not yeah sure okay <laughs> i'm not gonna go into it but sure
0: <laughs> no fine um but it was a hit wasn't it uh jack mm-hmm. the ripper was a hit yeah. and he did some other stuff i think we're gonna keep away from the political stuff uh at the moment but basically he became like like you said runfrey a character a great british eccentric his band were called the savages and in that early 60s period um the likes of jimmy page and Richard blackmore um both played with the band at various points um there is Numerous tales of the things that uh, Screaming Lord Such and the Savages used to get up to uh, on stage. There's a famous incident by all accounts, that was aped in the film Slade in Flame. We spoke on Riot Act about Slade in Flame and how Mark Camo thinks it's the, uh, am I right in saying that the Citizen Kane of music films he said
1: something like that in the past yeah he he loves it um never mm. seen it myself i gotta say i don't think you have either if i recall haven't
0: no i've seen the trailer which went on for like eight hours
1: <laughs> as trailers tended to do yeah. in those days when did Slade flame came out was it like early 70s oh, i think
0: uh, yeah mid uh, early to mid 70s yeah yeah
1: something like that um yeah i mean i mean i have to admit that mark kermode is the only person oh january 1975 i've just checked um Mark Hermode is the only person who I know of who sort of publicly will go on about how amazing that film is, as far as I'm aware. But yeah, yeah. I mean, he absolutely loves it. So, you know. Apparently there's a... Sorry, I was just about to say I can see a Slade. um, I can see the through line to Slade on this record.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I absolutely can as well. Uh, But apparently there's a scene in Slade in Flame where one of the characters gets stuck in the coffin that he comes on stage on class, and apparent and apparently that happened in real life apparently screaming lord such got stuck he used to come out in a coffin and actually i have watched um one of the good things about this week's show being late is that i've watched lots of live footage from the time of screaming lord such on <laughs> a few sweet. interviews and stuff as well and he is weird like mm. it's very weird and something about the way that it dresses in the grainy footage and it being in black and white which Makes it feel almost as... Because it's, you know, it's really no scarier than the fucking monster mash these days. Do you know what I mean?
1: It's very tame compared to the, you know, the stuff that we kind of mentioned that came later on. But certainly in terms of like a genesis point, I don't think you can... It's probably a bit much to say that this is like year zero, but, you know, year one, (laughs) year two. Yeah, yeah. And there's
0: also things that he does... (laughs) <laughs> for the, I mean he used to get out on, out on stage in a coffin and like you know he was not playing massive venues this geezer he was playing tiny little clubs where people sat down in front of him and a lot of the audience tended to be from what I could see young girls so you're looking at an audience of about you know 70 or 80 teenage girls it seemed to be in these tiny little rooms yeah. and the this neck deep of his time you could say the neck deep of his time yeah <laughs> um, definitely but not calling
1: him a <laughs> Yeah.
0: Well, I was about to get say that. He jumps out of a coffin, um, right into this girl's face, gets right in this girl's face is a bit that I saw, and he's like literally screaming in her face. And I think if you did that now, it wouldn't be looked upon very, very sort of, you know, it wouldn't be looked, you'd be frowned upon if you did that now, right in someone's face, unless it was, you know, some sort of hardcore band. But I think the idea of a sort of, you know, man in his late 20s, coming out of a coffin and screaming in a teenage girl's face i was like that is pretty bold to be fair yeah. like even now i was like oh bloody hell and there were other things as well i mean i
1: i had to actually i um, sorry to interrupt you but i had to nix that idea because um steve was quite keen to come out of a coffin for our first birthday show and then uh mm-hmm. scream uh in in a, a teenage girl's Brady's. face, in Brady's Brady's face. <laughs> but um but i i said no steve let's let's just come on as per normal and uh instead i came on drunk and tripped over a microphone stand as far as i recall something like that yeah you did yeah yeah Yeah, Yeah.
0: i know what what could have been i could have been the fucking embarrassment of that evening. what a sliding doors moment i remember (laughs) um uh lord such would do tours as well based on different kind of um eras. So, you know, dressing as Dracula, dressing as the aforementioned Jack the Ripper, dressing as Caesar. Caesar. And <laughs> sorry. Caesar <laughs> <See? laughs> as
1: dressing as Caesar. Wow. Okay. Dressing
0: as Julius Caesar and uh he would be stabbed in the back by Brutus, Brutus. on stage in front of people as well. So he did like a sort of Roman themed tour. Um wow. that's cool. Uh, sort of like, yeah, that is quite cool. Apparently as well, um I mean uh, there's one thing I did see as well where he got a gun out and shot someone in the face with a gun like a fake gun in the I'm audience as well
1: glad he said fake
0: yep yeah a fake gun <laughs> so he got like a got like a got like a fake gun and shot a blank into the audience in their face, again, they were right next to him, and he just shot, and I was like, now that definitely wouldn't fly. Do you remember when Plan B did the Brits, and he got a machine gun, and he just sort of fired it at the ceiling, and everyone went, this is disgusting, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. Screaming all such was shooting young girls in the face <laughs> in po- from point-blank range 45 years before that happened.
1: With blanks. Um... With blanks yeah uh i mean i'm sure people were outraged at the time as well it's just obviously the internet didn't exist and so you probably didn't see that outrage as far flung. people were outraged.
0: Yeah, yeah 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 um the other thing and now i don't like this i don't know how you feel about this because okay. all of the i went because to see I'm insane clown again. i am <laughs> what, what are you obsessed <laughs> with my <laughs> like team today don't you've never it's mentioned really them weird, ever You've it's because we haven't done neck, for a
1: while. I'm just chucking
0: stuff yeah. out. I'm loving it. So oh, put as much neck deep in. Hey, just as a heads up. You said before, just a heads up. We haven't done a podcast for a little while. People are going to want us to talk about neck deep. just <laughs> <as> possible. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, probably will. So here's uh, something that they used to do. Um, they used to throw maggots into the crowd. Ooh. Mm. Not okay. sure about that. Because mm. you've got the whole like black metal they threw fucking pigs heads and stuff in there but they really wanted to upset people a lot that was sort of their the point of it all i went to see insane clown posse and they poured fucking fizzy orange juice in my in my face bottle by bottle all over for ages and i came back all sticky and disgusting mm. that's bad enough mm. i don't want maggots being they eat your flesh maggots eat your flesh Remfrey. do all maggots
1: eat your flesh
0: hashtag not all maggots <laughs>
1: I just want to stand up for the maggots. I think maggots get a really bad rap, you know, to be totally they, honest um, with their um do they flesh
0: eating? Maybe they don't. Um have you ever met have you ever met a maggot I've that met, you really I, like? I've
1: met I've got many friends who are maggots. Um, there's some <laughs> really. um, uh
0: Marty, Marty the maggot, yeah. um yeah. Mabel. We're not we're not talking about Slipknot fans, by the way. We're talking about actual, oh, yeah. actual maggots. Why right,
1: he threw Slipknot fans into the crowd? <laughs> I mean, that would shock people today. I think.
0: Yeah, um, it would. Yeah. Uh,
1: no, I, no, yeah. I, I, don't think that's particularly necessary. I suppose, um, if you're, you know, if you're experimenting with this style, and if you're one of the originators. You're probably gonna have a few missteps, aren't you? And I mm. would suggest that the the maggot throwing,
0: possibly a mid, misstep. But hey, I'm only. I put it this way: no matter how much I like your music, if you throw maggots at me from the stage, I'm only coming to one of your gigs. You're only getting my. <laughs> you're only get. You throw one handful of maggots at me, and, and I am. It. I I am gone. Right? I don't care if you are. I wouldn't have gone to see Tool three times if they'd have. If fucking Adam Jones threw maggots <laughs> in my face. <laughs> That wouldn't happen. Maybe that's um, where they
1: got the idea for I'm a celebrity. Maybe it's Screaming Lord Such's fault.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not a bad um it's not, it's not a bad shout. Again, he's proving a lot more influential it's, than I maybe thought he, he would do. It's, a, it's um, a pretty
1: bad shout, but I do I do I thank you for your encouragement, Steve. I appreciate it.
0: He also did a bunch of things. I mean, again, we'll save the politics till the end, but he started his own pirate radio station called Radio Such. In an attempt to compete with the burgeoning um, pirate radio market of the time, um, the Radio Carolines and all that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. Uh, radio such apparently would feature again something quite controversial. Would feature readings of the book Lady Chatterley's Lover on the station. Now that was controversial when the telly program came out in the nineties, wasn't it? Yeah, remember the. But I was so in the sixties. Someone reading that out on the radio. About bums and Willies. Bums.
1: Willies Corsets, probably, I'm guessing. Um, corsets, I've, never, I've yeah. never read it. Um have you
0: ever read uh Lady Chatterley's lover? I ever read <laughs> Lady Chatterley's Lover. Hey, it's a, it's <laughs> a decent question. <laughs> it, it is. I think you know the answer to it as well. <laughs> uh no, I haven't read Lady Chatterley's Lover. Um I don't think I saw the tele programme either. <sighs> Why am I calling it a tele programme? Tele- the <laughs> television series <laughs>
1: Very quickly. So Lord's, uh, Lord Chatterley's Lover by D.H. Lawrence. It was uh, published in 1928 privately, but then was authorised. had an authorised publication in 1932. It's the last novel by English author D.H. Lawrence. Uh, an unexpurgiated edition was not published openly in the United Kingdom until 1960. I assume unexpergated means uncut. Basically, when it was the subject of a watershed obscenity trial against the publisher Penguin Books, which won the case and quickly sold three million copies, that's mm-hmm. what happens when people try to ban things. Mm-hmm. Things sell shitloads of copies. So, um, yep. rather than trying to ban things, I would suggest just keeping your mouth shut.
0: It's true. It it's true. You, so, Steve, but yeah. no, I was going to say <laughs> this podcast would be quite boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also if, if I if if people bought more stuff. If this podcast would banned, just think how many patron people we'd have on our Patreon page. Mm. Patreon.com forward slash. <laughs> um ban this sick filth talking about Lord such. So anyway, basically I'm sort of trying to paint a picture of uh of a gentleman who is less really a musician, you know, openly said, can't really sing, not really a very good singer, more of a kind of I guess a sort of pre social media, social media celebrity thing type person someone who's just kind of trying to create like viral moments again before the era of things going viral viral moments in british culture and then moving on none of this really feels like it is particularly serious i don't think
1: no absolutely not no no no
0: no 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 no. um so by the late 60s he'd sort of established himself as this bizarre cult figure in british pop culture and this is obviously when he decides to create his full-length debut album but like most things like this um funny because obviously i'm not comparing him to mr blobby what well, or the crazy frog although well, well, actually Sean, i am about to do that
1: don't compare him to genius
0: <laughs> <laughs> no yeah but what we've learned from those those kind of things is that if you create something which is that kind of bizarre viral hit, you need to capitalise on it straight away. Do you know what I mean? You need to get in while you are at your peak of popularity, which would have been Jack the Ripper, right? Jack the Ripper, and he does like the the political stuff that we'll talk about in in a minute. He's got these relationships with these other musicians. He's a well known figure. He's doing the pipe radio stuff, being quite being sort of like fairly controversial odd things and that's only going to take you thus far so if you're having a big hit in 1963 by 1968 you're kind of like where else can you go you can't really go anywhere and he's not even put an album out at this point really
1: no there's been a couple of singles like his debut was uh, debut single till the following night in 61 with a b-side of um miss molly which actually i quite like to hear to be honest. Uh Jack the Mm. Ripper in sixty three, the train kept a roll in sixty five and Purple People Eater in sixty six. Purple People Why isn't there a Stoner band called Purple People Eater? Um but yeah, uh then there was like a gap of four years. It basically it looks as if he was having trouble um getting anyone to take him seriously. (laughs) Do you think that's yeah yeah. yeah. Which So fair enough I would say. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So he moved to America in nineteen sixty eight okay and this is what happened he moved to america in 1968 due to the fact that really people in britain were just like i sort of remember you you were that weird guy get trying to get out of a coffin right um and he thought Probably, he could go over to america in my girlfriend's face <laughs> yeah uh and thought he could kind of reinvent not even reinvent himself but reestablish his popularity in america and decided to do it by making a record and it was there in Hollywood's Mystic Studios that he decided to record the album. Now, we should say, there are some big names on this record. Some big fucking names on this record. Some of
1: the biggest names in music. I'm not going to say who they are, because I'm sensing that you're wanting to reveal that, but, but
0: humongous
1: names on this record.
0: But before we get into the big names, we should say that he had a long-time drummer called Carlo Little, right, who inspired a young Keith Moon to take up drums and Gosh. actually gave Keith Moon his first ever drumming lessons. So wow. he, and was sort of, this guy was Keith Moon's hero. The drummer who plays on this album was like Keith Moon's hero. And we'll talk about Keith Moon kind of coming back into the fold with Lord Such in a minute. But, wow. you know, so... The only person on this album, really, who you look at and you go, I don't know that name, actually became an, incredib- was an incredibly influential drummer all the same. But screaming or Such mates with all of the people uh, that had previously kind of come through his band and decided to help, um, decided to try and have them help him, you know, get some attention for this record that he's putting out by enlisting them to play on the record. So... Yeah,
1: just <clears throat> very quickly, I can see why he would have attracted people within the rock sphere as well especially at that time yeah Um, because you know if you look back at what he was doing like this isn't me sort of um you know congratulating him on everything that he did but there's a very sort of almost punk spirit before punk was a thing to what he's doing i mean he was looking to fuck shit up basically wasn't he so i can totally yeah. see why there would be a friendship or a bond with um with the people who ended up on this record
0: and those people were jimmy page from the led zeppelins
1: the led zeppelin.
0: yeah and, and john bonham johnny from the Led, Ze- <laughs> johnny <laughs> bottom yeah uh john bonham from led zeppelin jeff beck was on it as yeah. well yeah who, of course, later went on to become Jeff Beck. Beck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think even. you've got you got confused no, they, they split up, didn't they? They went, they went solo, and Jeff <laughs> never took off yeah, in the was same sad. way. That was a sad thing. As Beck, uh, so Jeff Beck is on it, and Jimi Hendrix' bassist Noel Redding yeah, also so plays on the album from, from the Jimi Hendrix' experience.
1: From the Jimi Hendrix experience, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, Noel Redding <laughs> was not in the. Um, what did he rename as Bandit Woodstock? I want to say the Gypsy Kings or something like that, but it wasn't that. Um... The
0: Gypsy Kings. <laughs> <laughs> Luigi, put that the Gypsy Kings on.
1: <laughs> it was something like that. Wasn't it like Bandit Gypsies uh, or
0: something? I can't Yeah, remember. it was Bandit G- Yeah, yeah, it was Bandit G- Gypsies. Oh, oh, right. so it wasn't a
1: million miles G- off. Like, no, no, no. It's just March like before. I've not heard
0: any... Well, because I've not heard anyone say the Gypsy Kings since they were number 34 in the chart on Top of the Pops <laughs> one week in 1993. All
1: oh, right. Yeah, fine.
0: Apart from the League of Gentlemen going... Luigi, put that, the Gypsy King. Anyway, I've already done that. Um, So anyway, uh, they came in and did a little bit on it. But um, Jimmy Page, in particular, not that chuffed with the fact that he is on this record. Um, He and John Bonham were under the impression that what they were doing was coming in to kind of lay down foundation tracks for the demos for this record. Demos, basically, yeah. They were just sort of helping out so they didn't really put their all into it um jimmy page even is credited with producing the album Mm. mainly by all accounts because he was the only person there who knew what it was that was to be a (laughs) producer what a producer even (laughs) was was what he was meant to do capable
1: of twiddling the knobs basically yeah
0: yeah so it's all a bit slapdash and um
1: do you think drugs were involved, Steve?
0: <laughs> I reckon they probably were, <laughs> as is, as with everything around this time. I think, yeah, probably.
1: I I mean, th- yeah, this is definitely a uh, conjecture from the two of us, but I reckon drugs were involved um, and I reckon they were psychedelics <laughs> at the very least.
0: Yeah. So uh, such was the established musician's lack of desire to be credited on this record when it came out. There is actually some confusion as to who plays on what and where. So after the big names that Lord Such got in finished doing their allotted bits um and he released the album and he was getting ready to release the album obviously it wasn't finished um there is a rumor that he rounded up just a bunch of sort of random session players and asked them to do their best impressions of Beck, Bonham, Page etc and then credited the big names with those parts as if they just played it all um jimmy page who again we'll get to in a little bit more uh detail later on said i did a little bit of wah-wah on one track but i didn't do the solo in the middle which isn't a wah-wah thing someone else put that on but this is where the criminal side of it comes in he didn't put extra guitar by so-and-so or lead guitar by so-and-so he put guitar jimmy page Mm. so everyone thought oh jimmy page played that Mm. and it's a heap of crap (laughs) so jimmy page not happy but that's basically how the album kind of came about um before we move into the reviews and stuff as well i think we should probably talk about the album cover which (laughs) is as (laughs) fucking austin powers tastic as you could ever possibly imagine it has got screaming lord such resplendent in full groovy baby frilly fucking velvet suit with all the like cuffs coming out and a massive blonde bouffant hairdo and a massive curly moustache standing next to a what is it a rolls royce with a union jack it's a big old fucking car um painted in a union jack style painted in a union jack with the name of the album and the names Beck, Page, Bonham, Reddin, and Nicky Hopkins, who was the pianist who's played with the likes of the Beatles, the Stones, the Who, yeah. the Kinks, Cat Stevens, Rod Stewart, and many, many more, yeah. um, who was also coerced into maybe like doing three chords and then being told that he played the whole fucking thing. Yeah. Absolute cheeky cunt. But, I mean, <laughs> everything about that album cover <laughs> is, a, is... Especially when you know that those people probably did fuck all on the album. <laughs> Having their name on the front of it and then having the fucking goal to dress like uh, sort of flop Austin Powers with a Union Jack Bentley next to you like this guy's a fucking baller I believe that's what the kids call it <laughs> a baller <laughs> he's a fucking pimp
1: he looks like a cross between Robert Plant and Justin Hawkins on the cover I think
0: no mate, he, he looks like a cross between a spaniel and an erect penis <laughs> Yeah, on no, the Jubilee.
1: No, that's closer, yeah. <laughs> he look he looks outrageous. And I mean mm. that in all, all meanings of that word. Uh, positive and negative, I would say. Um, but, you know, it's a bold cover. It's very of the time. Like, everything about it is late 60s, early 70s. Um, I suppose in uh, 2020, <laughs> I suppose the Union Jack has taken on slightly different uh, connotations these days. But, hey, you know, it's was very different at that you, time.
0: These days if you went around in that you'd be locked oh, up and you'd be thrown in jail, wouldn't you? <laughs> these days,
1: <laughs> I think people would probably assume you're a racist. Although we we're, we're um, recording this um uh, just after the jubilee and union jacks have been out mm-hmm. a plenty, haven't they? I don't know if it's been they like have, yeah. where you. They have, yeah. One of
0: one of them uh there's somebody across my road. Funnily enough, one of the only people in my road uh who have union jacks up on their in their windows. Are the Italian family who moved in a few months ago? Oh. Just trying to just trying to fit in. They're falling no <laughs> they're falling no one. We'll get them out. We'll get them out. We'll go back we'll go back to fucking Pisa or wherever you came Pisa. from, you <laughs> get back to Cagliari, you bastards, or wherever okay. you come from. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Take your fucking macaroni with macaroni? Yeah, that is... <laughs> that's not really person Italian is it? Uh
1: yeah leave the spag bowl because I like the spag bowl. yeah but,
0: you know. I had a prawn linguine earlier you can like, keep that that's very nice you can have that yeah. anyway but they're one of the only people and one of their union jacks fell off in the wind and the rain and it floated down I walked outside my door and there it was all trampled in the mud outside my garden gate and I thought this country
1: <laughs> it does sound like a good metaphor for this country generally um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, yeah there we go lovely stuff yeah We said we wouldn't get political at this point. We'll get political later. We will get
0: political later. Yeah. Anyway, reviews. Rolling Stone called it absolutely terrible and said the likes of Bonham and Page sounded like a fouled parody of themselves, which, ironically enough, may well have been. What played <laughs> the parts that he was referring to? Fouled parodies of uh, of those two people. Uh, record collector says, The aimless likes of Because I Love You, Thumping Beat and Wailing Sounds aren't really songs as befits a man who wasn't really a singer. Nevertheless, there's something wonderful about such as bawling, canoodling persona and the arrogant offhandedness of his lyrics. An insistence between Wildman Fisher and Malcolm Mooney. Don't know who those people are. Uh, all Music gave it three stars saying an infamous album by the london scene maker screaming or such who among other things claimed to be a genuine earl and to have started the long hair craze of the 1960s and ran for parliament on the youth ticket i didn't know that his infamy bought him some heavy friends indeed for his first lp jimmy page john bonham jeff beck nicky hopkins and noel reddin are all on hand to support to support such as r&b retreads the album is regarded as a kind of Plan Nine from outer space of rock LPs. It's bad, but endearingly so, with such as growling vocals providing the laughs. Many Led Zeppelin fans who bought this album when it was released on the heels of the first two Led Zeppelin albums have never forgiven Paige for it. It peaked in the charts, didn't get into the charts in the United Kingdom, funnily enough, um, but it did weirdly get into the US Billboard's Top 200 peaked
1: at number 84. That's respectable for a debut album. I mean, I suppose with that litany of guests on it, maybe less so, but then this is only 1970. I mean, by that point Zeppelin 1 and 2 have come out, maybe 3, cuz 3 came out the same year, didn't it? Yeah. What's Jeff, Jeff Beck's probably done a few things.
0: Jeff Beck had done a few things. Yeah. I mean, you've got to think as well. Jimmy Page was in the Yardbirds as well. Wasn't oh, of he? course. Yeah. Obviously, if you see Noel Redding and you're a massive Hendrix fan, you'll know. Yeah, yeah. You're probably yeah. going to want to pick that up as well. So
1: he had done Are You Experienced and Axe Spider Lovers at this point, but mm-hmm. I don't think he'd done Electric Ladyland, had he? I no,
0: think. I wouldn't have. But still. No. When did this come out? May, wasn't it? Yeah, so no, probably not. No. I doubt Led Zeppelin 3 was out either, to be fair. You're probably right, yeah. 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 Um, in 1998, the BBC ran a poll looking for the worst album ever made. This was number one.
1: Obviously, hadn't heard but,
0: Crazy Frog. <laughs> no, wow. Well, they definitely hadn't no heard Crazy Frog at that point, because that's a good eight years before it comes sure, out, I think. Sure. Um, uh, it was also included in Colin Larkin's book of the essential 1,000 albums in the year 2000. So, Ooh, contradictory. You know, contradictory but all that being said uh Renfrey, what do you think of lord such and heavy friends
1: i'm gonna spunk this straight away go on then this is one of my favorite records we've covered on broken records
0: <laughs> it's good right <laughs> yes <kids>. it's It's <laughs> not even all right it's actually it's quite actually, good it's actually
1: quite good um
0: i think my
1: theory as to why this was not well received at the time i think you've got screaming lord such who a lot of people are going to look at as like a joke comedy figure which is fine that's kind of how he presented himself in a way and certainly later on presented himself like that even more so but we'll get on to that later i think the music that he was making whilst Again, that whole thing of like, you can't quite say that this is year zero for this stuff, but it does feel like it's year one or year two. The weird thing with the guests on this record, because they were clearly jamming, falling around, there's a far looser vibe to it than there is um, uh, certainly on the other Zeppelin records, which, and the, the Jimi Hendrix records, I would say. Uh, no doubt, probably quite a lot of drugs in the studio, probably um there is a looseness to this album which in 2022 listening back made me just go well this is a garage rock record isn't it but at the time garage rock wasn't really a thing was it um bar the stooges
0: the stooges i mean actually i i think garage rock was a thing at that point yeah i think you've got you've got the sonics You've okay, got the yeah. MC5, you've got the Stooges, you've got a the whole kind of scene of bands from Detroit and stuff doing stuff like this. And I think there are a few in the UK who would kind of air towards that. The Kinks air towards that at times prior yep. to this as well.
1: Yeah, I was going but, to ask you about The Who, just because I don't know The Who's early material. Would The Who have been put into that at that time, or is that I un- I
0: mean, memory? I don't think The Who are necessarily, they were sort of more thought of as like R&B rather than... Mm-hmm garage rock yeah, right i same. and i think a lot of to me a lot of that is to do with the vocals i i think when you put kind of the pete townsend and roger daltry um you know fucking substitute is a much like nicer sound than you know kick out the jam motherfuckers yeah. you know what i mean yeah, yeah, so yeah. Yeah. um i think that might have a little bit to do with it but yeah like not a million miles away really nice. really i mean the first song it just it sounds a lot like the music from that time. It sounds like the Stooges. It sounds like the Stooges. No. I don't think it's as good as the Stooges. No. And I, the, the thing about it is, when it came in, I was like, oh, this sounds like the Stooges. Mm-hmm. I've got no problem with this. But I was sort of waiting. And I was like, I'm sure once his voice comes in, it becomes apparent why this album is here. And then the voice comes in. And it's not. It's not. It's not. It's it's not dreadful. I mean, I was expecting it to be dreadful or at least be like weird. Mm. It's not even weird.
1: No, it, it 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 suits the style very well. I I don't think Screaming Lord Such is any worse a singer, and I'm going to make it clear, singer here because uh, I've not seen him perform. than, say Iggy Pop, for example. You know, Iggy Pop is not Iggy Pop is a vocalist that me and you love, but you know, as a kind of um, in a in a in a in the sense of sort of musicality and stuff is iggy Pop a fantastic it's not mariah Carey, star? is he no, no no not at all and i would imagine iggy pop would be the first person to say that um and you know i think screaming lord such was quite honest about the fact that he was like yeah i'm not the greatest singer in the world but you know i've got um he obviously had something you know and and, and certainly his vocal style does suit this music and i really enjoyed it i think even the the second song like the first song absolutely did give me big stooges vibes but it was when the second song came in because i love you mm. and i was listening to it and thinking personally i don't think that song because i love you would be massively out of place on that self-titled stooges album
0: uh, if you'd have said to me that that was an influential long forgotten influential single from the time that everybody loved and then went on to do an impression of i'd have believed you absolutely if you just said listen to this i'm not going to tell you who it is i'm not going to tell you anything about it but it was like very influential from the i would have gone oh it's kind of like mid to late 60s right like maybe early sure. like very very early 70s and if you'd have told me that and gone oh yeah and it's it was this really influential band you never, i would have gone oh really yeah i can sort of tell yeah yeah absolutely. so i don't think that that's you know anything at all i mean and, i think and, and
1: sorry just to, just to just to say very quickly the the stooge of those first three stooges records the self-titled one is my least favorite but when i say that like if it was on there like as an album track in the middle of the record i'm not sure i'd even notice there was a massive change do you know i mean i'm basically saying it's like it's like one of the weaker stooges tracks but at that time there weren't that many weak stooges tracks do you know what i mean yeah
0: yeah yeah i mean you know there's I think there are kind of peaks and troughs in this record I think like overall it's decent and and good at points when it's good it's good I mean There's a song called Gutty Guitar, which was much more like the thing that I thought this might be. Like, his voice is ragged and it's just shite. Like, his voice sounds all raggedy and shitty and kind of, like, strained and stuff. And the production is really rough. It's really, really rough. And the song is kind of really twangly and he's really wailing over it. And I was like, I mean, this does feel much more like a kind of demo-y, a loose demo um unfinished thing and you could go it's pretty bad but bad but but terrible worst ever not even close not even starting to get near the conversation about being the worst i agree like nowhere near
1: i'm really glad you agree as well I, i i completely agree i there is a we've talked about charm in the past with records i think the big one is dd ramon and whilst this album it didn't bring me quite as much joy as the dd Ramone album because i just really fell in love with dd ramon um on, on on that record even though again you know i can't really say that that's a great record but i don't think it's a a terrible one either i mean he's you know it's complicated isn't it but there's certainly there is certainly a charm to this album which i think is maybe overlooked certainly on i mean certainly on those lists where people are saying this is the worst album of all time i mean i I think having done this podcast for as long as we have i think we can categorically say that this is absolutely not the worst album of all time by quite a long shot
0: nowhere near it nowhere near it and you know like don't get me wrong there's some bits on it that i'm not that keen on i think one for you is a bit boring um i don't think that he needs to do um brightest light the kind of ballady one where he's kind of going for a kind of kinks almost sounds a bit like ocean color scene but Mm -hmm. not as good a version he can't really pull off the vocals on that at all and that really you have to be able to do some actual singing if you're gonna do songs like that although the bass line is lost for life in the middle it's the bass line for lost for life it actually is um and but then there's other stuff on it that i think is really good like there's uh the last song is called baby it come, come back. back and sadly sadly it's not the pat Banton song of the same name but it is that kind of groovy 60s party number mm. and it's just a, quite a funny song. And then there's a song called Thumping Beat, which yeah. is a great name for a song <laughs> and very much delivers on that with a really fucking good riff, massive riff. And it reminds me of the way it goes. It kind of reminds me of The um, the Doors. We were speaking about The Doors the other week, um, mm. funnily enough. And that whole, come on, come on, come on, come on, touch me, baby. That bit. has yeah. got, It's got that kind of feel to it from from Touch Me Baby uh, by the Doors in it. and um, Nothing as
1: bad on here as there was on that Doors record. I'm going to chuck out there, I don't think, personally.
0: No. N- nothing on no here prob- is as bad as anything on that record. No. I mean, you got Union Jack Car, which is, you know, eh. not a great song. And I, Lord I, Such says he's driving down the road in his Union Jack Car.
1: Union Jack Car, it's track 8 of 12. It was probably the point of the record where I was starting to get a little bit like, I feel a little bit over this now. But even then, at no point was this album painful to listen to. It's only 35 minutes. It, like, I really enjoyed the first 20 to 25 minutes. And then, you know, from maybe around track eight, track nine onwards i was a bit like you know and you've you've got we've already mentioned brightest light which is not so great i, d- I think l-o-n-d-o-n london isn't great one for you baby you know
0: l-o-n-d-o-n is where he does the does a sort of the, uh, again doing hendrix doing a scar the star spangled banner yeah. but with a solo of god save the queen yeah and again he would be put in jail for doing that these days wouldn't he? <laughs> these days
1: these days
0: (laughs) um
1: but even then even when the album took a a bit of a um dive seems like too strong a word a bit of a dip i'd still kind of was in vaguely enjoying it in the background you know and even like prior to that there's a song called flashing lights i think this is a really good indication of the people that he got in to um to try and mimic the 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 more famous players wikipedia says that flashing lights the bass line was played by a daniel edwards but as it was playing i was convinced it was noel redding because it was so noel redding-esque and daniel edwards no idea who he is just a friend of lord such's or maybe a session musician at the time but i'll give that guy credit he did a astonishingly good impression of a Noel Reading baseline to the point where I just assumed, well, that's probably Noel Reading. And I think quite a few of the players on the. I mean, if the credits on Wikipedia are to be believed, of course, because there are more extensive credits on Wikipedia you know obviously whether they're true or not i mean i imagine a lot of the people in that studio don't even remember what they played on which part of the song to be totally <laughs> honest like i i'm i'm sure jimmy page has has reason to be annoyed um at some of the things that happened with this but does he really remember everything that he played and everything that he didn't on this album probably not in super super strong detail you know and there's a song called "Smoke and Fire." Like the album was known as "Smoke and Fire" in some places, so I suppose it's kind of like the title track of such. And I was listening to it. I was like, if Ozzy Osbourne released this as a single today, it'd be like the best Ozzy Osbourne song for like 20 years. <laughs> yeah, and that's more yeah. that's more a comment on Ozzy's recent output than it is on th- that song. But. Mm. I think it. I think it would. I mean, it would have had a very old school Black Sabbath type feel to it, rather than the modern Ozzy Osbourne sound, obviously. Yeah. And people would be a bit like a few this...
0: Zach Wilde pinch harmonics on it as well. I'm sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you could yeah. put those in and make it sound modern. I Try. mean, I think it'd be great. There was a very Aussie style quality in his voice there, more early Sabbath Ozzy than
0: latter day. Yeah. But I mean, even at its worst. This is better than I ever could have imagined that it would be. They were sp- yeah. And that, there's two. And so, why is it here? Now, there's two reasons I think why this could be here. Number one, Led Zeppelin fans famously are very serious, aren't they? They're uh, very, they're yeah. very serious, and they're very quick to dismiss anything which isn't Led Zeppelin. I think so. You can imagine them getting something with John Bonham and Jimmy Page's name on the front cover, and with. Uh, you know, a song like Baby Come Back, which is all like yeah. ga- jangly 60s, groovy baby, shagadelic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not far and, off, yeah. And going, I like serious, proper, well-crafted music. I'm better than this. This is awful. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. This is like those Led Zeppelin fans who say the Beastie Boys are the worst band of all time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you think Do you is, know what i mean this is as good as check your head is that what you're
0: saying i don't think that <laughs> no but i just think people who love led zeppelin tend to hate everything else i think um not all of them obviously because we both them. like led zeppelin i no.
1: absolutely love led zeppelin um i think when you're playing sort of um you know almost half an hour long versions of dazed and Confused you might attract those very kind of muso sort of ah oh, this is serious Dickheads. art <laughs> type people was trying to be a bit more balanced than that but sure mm-hmm. um but yeah yeah I, i'm sure that contributed 100 percent. i mean the personnel on this album compared to what it is doesn't quite add up you know it's th- this is not as good as Led Zeppelin 2 or Led Zeppelin 1. Let's no. be super fucking clear. But Or Axis Boulders Love. Yeah, no, you're no, right. No, not. no, no, no. But no. I think a lot of people would have dismissed this because it was really silly. But Led Zeppelin 2 has the fucking lemon song on it. Yeah. You know, you hypocritical fuck. Like, squeeze the squeeze my lemon till the juice runs down my leg is as stupid a lyric as anything on this album fact <laughs> yes. it is it is it's it is. it's ridiculous you know like and i and I, I i i do I like, like i like the lemon song to be clear i don't have any issue with the lemon song but but there was that silliness in zeppelin as well they just didn't it wasn't their front foot forward kind of thing whereas i think the no. silliness is a large part of this record but yes, I think I think while some people probably would have felt that, I think the Lemon Song is a very good thing to throw back in their
0: face and go. Uh, so many things. I mean, I saw there's people saying that, you know, hip-hop art. Led Zeppelin are a great band to debunk so many things because there's that. And I mean, recently, for those of you who follow me on Twitter and look at other things that I do, I did a, a list of 10 hip-hop albums metalheads should own uh, and listen to like modern hip-hop albums. And somebody said, uh, oh, hip-hop, they have to borrow all their music they don't write anything they're not proper musicians who don't write anything they just nick other people's ideas and I it's like believe well believe you've outed me on this podcast <laughs>
1: yeah
0: it's like well so did led zeppelin
1: well yeah well quite
0: yeah so you're saying led zeppelin are talentless yeah oh, you are i, I you are saying that
1: i think the argument to that and this isn't my argument to be super clear i reckon those people would be like yeah well at least led zeppelin played could play the things and you can't play the guitar if you're a hip-hop party yeah but that's probably
0: not true either sound sound like they they really know what they're talking about the (laughs) other thing i think would be that let's just be blunt about this here they were spoiled in the past weren't they we've had these before these old albums where they're like bob dylan Self-portrait is the worst album ever made. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And you go, lads, you have no idea what is coming for you. <laughs> you have no idea where popular music is about to go. Yeah. And that's not me going, oh, it was so much better in the past. That's not me doing that. It is but what it is me doing is going a very, very small amount of records comparatively, a very small amount of music comparatively was released in those days. And certainly, compared level, to today, yeah. Certainly, compared to today, and the level of, um, and I, I guess the 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 way that genres in general uh, had yet in popular music had yet to evolve, and there were stupid novelty songs. I mean, I just mentioned I mentioned one earlier, the Monster Mash, which mm. is you know a good song, but it's yeah, a silly yeah. fucking novelty song. Um, but there wasn't as much music, so you had no idea. As to how bad something bad could really be when it became really bad.
1: There was also far less access to people being able to record music, of course, because you Mm. had to have big, big money uh, if you wanted to be able to do that or big money behind you. Which isn't the case today. So of and course,
0: broken side wouldn't have got that, would they? No, no. In 1969, no record label would have signed broken side.
1: No, they wouldn't have signed broken side. They wouldn't have signed Farrah Abraham's. They wouldn't have signed I, like probably the majority of our top ten. I'm guessing <laughs> Crazy Frog, <laughs> Uncle Cracker. You know this. They is, might have signed Crazy Frog. Uh, they might have signed Crazy Frog. Uh, I think they would have signed Mr Blobby, obviously, but he's outside the top twenty. Um, thank God. Um, but yeah, I, like, <laughs> but the accent to being able to record music was obviously far more um i mean it was far few people who were able to do that and that was part of the reason why it took lord such so long to make an album but it took him that long to be able to get the funds together to make a record and the only way he managed to do that is to bring his really rich friends famous friends yeah
0: so fucking mad it is mad so you you know they yeah they were spoiled they were spoiled back in the day definitely Um, you know they they really were so anyway let's talk about the aftermath of the record I think this is where things get really interesting Mm. Uh, not so much with the record but just Lord Such's story in general Um, as we have sort of mentioned Jimmy Page was not happy with the result of the album. Years later, he would recall, he came to me and said, I wish you could help me out. I've got a chance to make an album and I've been in the business for 12 years. I was went down to have a laugh, playing some old rock and roll as a bit of a send up. The whole joke reversed itself and became ugly. Jimmy Page there, for me, still basically um, inhabiting the mindset of the worst of his own fan base. <laughs> Absolutely refusing to see any kind of merit or any kind of, like, be jovial about it at all, still furious that he went in and did a few demo tracks and ended up being put out on this record, which became infamous and notorious. And rather than being like, oh, well, you know, fair play to him. He, you know, he, he had an idea and he he ran with it. Instead of doing that, he gets in a pissy old mood about it and goes, I can play, actually. I would have been better. I don't think he comes out of this that well, Jimmy Page.
1: I have a, li- I have a bit more sympathy for Jimmy Page, to be honest. Just because, assuming that the story that um, they were under the impression they were just laying demo tracks down and this this was not going to be the final, released, finished product. If that happened to me, I'd be a bit pissed off, you know? If I was informed that, oh, okay, the session that we're doing, it's not going to be the final thing. You can fuck around still and be looser and stuff. I, I can understand why he would be annoyed at that.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess it's the same as why Metallica were annoyed about Napster, really, wasn't it? it? Um, uh, <laughs> is it? <laughs> well, yeah, of course it is. Because Metallica, someone stole a demo from Metallica and put, right. played it on the radio. Sure. And went, this is a new Metallica single. Yeah. And they went you can't do where the fuck did you get this from you can't do that and then when oh you got it from here right well we're gonna do something about it which then became oh metallica want to take your your free copy of master of puppets away which is not what happened yeah. you yeah. thick fucking cunts but Crikey. not you um <laughs> but unless you think that and no, then i do think you're a thick cunt uh and um but then i would also say with jimmy page if you go in and do a session for one of your friends and just go there you go have that he can kind of do what he wants with it, right? Once you've sort of signed it over and gone, hey, you know, I'm going to be on it and da-da-da-da-da, and you've given it to this person and said, I want you to play on this. And I, there's no... We don't know that he specifically... It is different to Metallica. We don't know that he specifically went, can you come and do some demos for me? He might <laughs> have just gone, come come play on this, and, you know, I don't see what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to try and make an album. And he might have just gone, oh, okay, and gone, oh, just do whatever you want to do. And that might have been the vibe of the album. And they've yeah. gone, well, that's not how we do it in Led Zeppelin. We summon the demon and then drink 12 pints of absinthe and then sit down and treble track our fucking 12 string double neck guitar. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, there's very little treble tracking on this record, is there?
0: Um, no.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, we don't know. We don't know what that conversation was. I suspect i I haven't found any quotes from screaming lord such um replying to jimmy page's you know views of the record which sort of suggests to me that you know it probably is true that lord such gave the impression certainly that these were just demos and then went and released them um i i choose to believe that because because there was no kind of because lord such didn't you know use his right to reply or anything like that but um but yeah admittedly we don't know that for a fact
0: yeah we don't really know but we will you know we'll well, we'll, we'll never know but still like i would also think you're also your jimmy page like you helped a mate out
1: it's not like it's in any way hurt his career whatsoever is it and it hasn't certainly didn't hurt the career of beck bonham or uh reading either
0: no. Uh, Lord Sutch made two more albums, 1972's Hands of Jack the Ripper, which featured Richie Blackmore and Keith Moon and more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, fucking hell. Yeah. Uh, no one learnt their lesson from the last one. And uh, 1982's Rock and Horror, before he dived fully into the world in both, um, uh, which Renfrew and I, and I guess anyone else who was of a similar age to us would remember him for, which is politics, um, which we're now going to get to. The whole political career of screaming lord such um apparently he had run in various elections going all the way back to the mid 1960s when he was you know like i said before doing kind of any old shite just to get himself well known uh in 1966 he stood in the uk general elections for the national teenage party which was a party that he uh formed meant to kind of satiric um satirize satiric and he said satiricon um satirize <laughs> the fact that uh, the uk at the time he had to be 21 to vote Um, And he's saying, you know, obviously, if you're treated as an adult, you should be given the right to vote, blah, 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 and received 585 votes in Prime Minister Harold Wilson's Hilton constituency. But it was in 1983, having returned to Britain um, in 1980, that he formed his own party, the Monster Raving Loony Party. Uh, he first ran in the Bermondsey by-election that year, and he ran for a record 40 elections over the years. Mm. And he was, uh, I guess what the media would call, a great British eccentric character that we should be proud of. And to be fair, when compared to the other sort of people that they say that about Jimmy Savile, <laughs> Nigel Farage, uh, I think I will take Screaming Lord Such, actually.
1: Oh, a thousand percent i mean th- this podcast will go out and then we'll find out something absolutely or horrible that he did but yeah i mean uh yeah out of those three i'll take screaming
0: rank mother. those three renfrey
1: <laughs> shag marry avoid uh shag such <laughs> uh
0: <laughs>
1: marry oh fuck.
0: shag shoot in the face shoot in the face Ooh, <laughs> it's a tough one um
1: yeah, I, I think um there's a long line of comedy in British politics. Um at the moment I mean one of my heroes of British politics at the moment is Count Binface. Don't know how you feel about Count Binface.
0: Uh he's the one I was trying to remember when we were talking about this before. Yes, yeah, Count Binface. Absolutely.
1: He's- and yes, look, it's all very, very silly, but that's the entire point of it, because this kind of um history of comedy in British politics all these people are trying to do is show up what a stupid fucking institution british politics is we're talking about you know every wednesday a bunch of middle-aged to elderly mainly men and some women get into a room and go depending on what side of the political spectrum that they fall on i mean it's childs it's it's childish nonsense isn't it and i actually think that people they get a
0: summer holiday that, uh, that always blows my fucking mind when i hear that um our parliament has like breaks up like a like a primary school yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um
1: you know and and look i mean to to cast to cast aspersions on all mps is is fucking stupid Uh, And there are obviously loads of MPs out there who are doing really, really good work. In fact, actually the majority probably are doing good work. It's the ones that we see in the media all the time. They're in the media because, you know, people are outraged or or whatever by what they're doing. But um, I think it's important to have those figures stand up and go, look at how stupid this is. Look at how stupid this is. And, you know, Screaming Lord Such was arguably the first person to do that in british politics he's certainly the first name that i was aware of that might be down to my age um i don't know but i think that's important personally you know
0: yeah i you know i i do and what's interesting about it renfrey so um in 1987 they actually won a seat in a town council as alan howling lord hope was elected unopposed in ashburton devon and he later became the mayor of Ashburton. And being the age that I am, and I guess being the age that you are, you do and were aware of the Monster Raving Looney Party and Screaming Lord Such, and you would see him stood behind Thatcher, John Major, Neil Kinnock, those people in elections, and just being like, who's that guy with a massive fucking top hat? Weird. Um, in 1987, he appeared in the Rick Mail show, The New Statesman, as himself yeah. in the opening. Uh, episode uh, in the 90s, there was a Heineken ad campaign which had the tagline only Heineken can do this. And one of the adverts and one of the things that they're saying, like, we can do that, we're the best beer, we can do the impossible, was Screaming or Touch going into 10 Downing Street. And obviously, with a name like the Monster Raven Looney Party and all this sort of stuff they're saying to, to kind of satirize. Um, the notion the notion of what billet british politics is and the kind of the and and how it operates and so yeah most of the policies that the party adopted were deliberately weird such as the introduction of the 99p coin was one of them um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, banning greyhound racing to stop the country going to the dogs <coughs> was another one they wanted to do but listen to this some of their policies from back in the day have actually been passed not by them, obviously, but they have. Okay. Passports for pets. No way! that came Which is them. a thing now, right? Yeah. That was the idea originally, initially, of the Monster Raven Looney Party, as yeah. was 24-hour opening times for pubs.
1: Well, there we go.
0: Wow. That was their idea. And those have those are two things that have actually been passed. So it just goes to show that although they were fucking deliberately prov- like trying to be provocatively ludicrous, it wasn't a complete joke sort of... Thing. Like, you know, the ideas they had years later become kind of actual ideas that people have gone, oh, that's actually quite a good idea, which is mad.
1: It's almost like a warning for the future. I mean, I think, you know, we've lived through a period of having... Donald Trump as president you know and that was I remember brilliant prior... <laughs> Good night, <wasn't> it? <laughs> I remember prior to that like I was working at the independent when he was um when he was um running and like no one took him seriously including himself until the day he won and this is the thing like these, this is that satire, isn't it? Bringing bringing these people up and showing these people how fucking stupid they are, and then that thing comes true. I mean, some of the things in Brass Eye that we talk about all the fucking time and the day to day have basically come true. I think. um I mean, it's not strictly satire, but there was that incredible thing with the first epi- ever episode of Black Mirror, where the prime minister played by i think rory Kinnear, if i remember correctly mm. is uh i can't remember the specifics of it but he's forced to fuck a pig on yeah. tv and then what 2 3 years later you get the you know david cameron stuck his dick in a pig's mouth as, as a part of a oxbridge initiation right i mean not quite exactly the same but close <laughs> you know pretty fucking close and I think um, obviously on the surface this stuff looks really fucking silly but when stuff like that happens it does make you stop and think a bit do not know. It?
0: it really does yeah it really does And you ever um, fucked a pig in the mouth <laughs> I've ever fucked a pig in the mouth um, it would make me sound like a prick to say my ex-wife wouldn't it but uh, <laughs> fuck it I've done that now so yeah <laughs> um,
1: uh, well that's one patron gone <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it is which is a shame i mean obviously she's not a patron and uh, uh i was gonna start going no, into how much the financial financial situation how much fucking money she took off me but <laughs> i'm not gonna do that um which is what i just have um anyway <laughs> do so yeah but- that
1: or am i living
0: that i don't really give a Fucking care like, a, a, a bitter man in a divorced <laughs> man in his 40s. Well, oh, who would have imagined I would have been that? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Their best performance in a general election under Scream Lord Such was in 1997 when they received 7,925 votes from the 25 candidates they put forward, representing a 0.01% of the vote. But the best ever performance the party gave in a general election was actually, and I couldn't believe this, remfrey It kind of backs up what you were just saying. The last one, 2019, is their best ever performance. They got 9,739 votes from 24 candidates at the 2019 general election. Take that, Corbyn. (laughs) Fucking Corbyn. (laughs) Fucking take that, Corbyn. (laughs) uh LAUGHTER well, is, is that 0.2 percent of the vote, or
1: something? Or it's probably point No, that is
0: actually 000 percent of the vote. Oh. Unfortunately, there's <laughs> actually a smaller percentage, but a higher number so, of votes yeah. so, from less candidates. Sure, yeah, it's ah. more people now. More, more people voted in the election. Like, I'm imagining.
1: Do we know anything about their policies these days? Uh, we don't need to go into that if we don't. Um it's good to, be good to I see think... what the political landscape will look like in 30 years' time. That's all I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I think they, in 2010, I think they said it was fine to grab women by the pussies. So I don't know if that would take <laughs> off. But um, <laughs> they didn't, by the way. They absolutely yeah, didn't. Yeah, let's do make
1: that. that clear that they did uh, not okay. say that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and they lobbied for 24 hour waiting times in NHS uh, <laughs> hospitals as well. Um Of course, Screamer Lord Such was not alive to see this. His mother died in 1998 and that sent him into a spiral of depression, a depression that he had actually been kind of fighting with his whole life to change the tone quite dramatically, quite quickly. Um, It was good. I thought thought
1: that was very well done.
0: Thank you. And in 1999, it led to him hanging himself, age 58, which is a very, very sad end to, like we say, a very odd and uniquely British character. Um, But
1: also, not to call him sort of a comedy genius or anything like that i think that might be a little bit ott but there is that um
0: save that for mr blobby isn't it?
1: <laughs> save that for mr blobby of course mm. but um you know there is a through line between those people who make people laugh a lot and them being you know the sad clown thing the robin, robin williams. williams hey mm-hmm. jinx
0: the party obviously as we've already mentioned has continued and um he, he was he was um He was succeeded, screaming or such, by a gentleman named Howling Lord Hope, who became his leader. Uh, His leader, the leader of the party. Um, Well, the joint leader, I should say, because Howling Lord Hope and his cat, Cat Mando, was also the joint leader of the... Sadly, Cat Mando died three years later, so there seems to be some sort of curse on the... Uh, the leadership of this party, they yeah. all just sort of... Has
1: Bonjour considered running for any political parties?
0: She would get my vote, definitely. <laughs> she uh, yeah, she me. would. We'd probably be in World War Three within
1: three hours if Bonjour got in. Bonjour's very friendly. Is that right? Yeah. As Steve says with multiple scratches down his arms.
0: <laughs> she just plays rough.
1: <laughs> she, she certainly does.
0: She just plays rough. Yeah. Ah! Like your ex-wife. Uh, That was in my head, and I was like, Do I say that? Probably
1: not. I can cut that if you want.
0: (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. Um, (laughs) Uh, I'm only saying that because, funnily enough, I interviewed the guy from Ice Nine Kills the other day, and he made a very similar joke about his ex wife, and so that was why it was in my head. So, another thing if you're offended by that, blame Ice Nine Kills. (laughs) Yes, quite
1: please do yeah it's not
0: us just on that motif quickly if you're interested in this and if you are one of the questions I had to ask a mate from Ice Nine Kills is what was the what is the worst thing anyone has ever said about your band and he told me and in my head I was going that's not as much that's not as bad as what I tweeted about you (laughs) about six months ago (laughs) fucking hell Um, but he was nice he was actually a really nice guy he's a really nice guy really nice guy the guy in Ice Nine Kills Um, Spencer he's really nice sure uh, I still don't care for the music, I have to say. But uh, I prefer this, in fact. So we're going to have to <laughs> rank this now, Renfrew. We're going to have to rank Screaming Lord Such and Heavy Friends. Where should we put it? I'm thinking, I'm just going to just chuck this out there. I think this is better than Everybody's Rocking by Neil Young. Yes. But I do I do actually think, you know I have a soft spot for Lulu. Lou Reed and Metallica. Yes, and I can't, in good conscience, say that I would rather. I am glad for the existence, and I enjoy "Lulu" by Lou Reed and Metallica. Don't care what you think about that. I think everybody's rocking is sort of a similar type of thing, because it's a sort of old school rock and roll troll on the, you know, the the record industry.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and I actually think this is better than than that
1: yeah I, I think there's more humor to this and not that this record is like hilariously funny it's sort of gently amusing more than anything um yeah
0: but the songs are the, i mean you know the, everybody's rocking is like perfectly fine it's a funny yeah. troll yeah but musically speaking um it's not a particularly great record i mean it is no. fairly high up and we kind of i think it's there thematically the same as like Go louis on. metal machine music it's there for the sort of thematics of it but and i suppose we need to take all of the context into account but i have to say i do i mean i feel bad putting it above one hot minute i think that's absolutely fucking mad but we're gonna have this every time something that i like comes along i'm gonna have to just accept that you being such a stupid idiot and not letting one one hot minute go is the like best album when it clearly is it's so 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 clearly is it's
1: five away from the the bottom slash top of the chart like come on
0: yeah but then screaming screaming all such this is not as good as one hot minute um no <laughs> but- <laughs> i've now seen it and i'm like oh yeah hold on a second because i was properly like do you know what looking at that boy with the x-ray eyes i think there's more good songs on this than there is with boy on the um, i think yeah. it's more consistent i think it's more consistent th- than liz fair and it's not as kind of weird it's not even as weird as liz fair i think lauren hill to mtv 2.9 unplugged you know smatterings of genius in amongst some like very very odd and quite awkward stuff. So I think it yeah. kind of gets above that. Standing in the spotlight, I mean, is a like a, a, quite a similar album, but kind of objectively not as good really mm. and I, then, I, I was
1: going to start proceedings at standing in the spotlight because of how the, this is the DD King record
0: because of yeah. um,
1: how much they reminded me of, uh, of that but, but yeah yeah but you've gone yeah. even further so. and
0: cool. then I think you know Lou Reed's Metal Machine Music is obviously a very very important artefact in the musical history but again I don't really want to listen to it mm. it's only when we get to Lulu that I go oh I'd like to listen to, I, I think I would rather listen to that but then of course it's all over the fucking shop isn't it because One Hot Minute is in a full position
1: <laughs> um let's just go back to lulu for a second um i think when lulu is good lulu's really good i think it's a roller coaster of a record and it's also what 95 minutes it's i mean you could listen long. you could listen to this album almost three times in the amount of time it would l- take to listen to lulu once yeah and i think there is um i mean i what i'm trying to say i think this is i think i probably prefer this to lulu
0: um do you really prefer it to Lulu? Like, like really because lulu's th- actually like i think lulu is an incredibly compelling you know it's like you said it's not all good but it is always compelling and i think like this isn't even always compelling sure it, it's decent enough do you know what i mean when it's but there are there are moments when that aren't great and i think yeah. it's it, again it's an interesting artifact and i think it probably deserves far more praise than i mean it certainly deserves a far better reputation than what but it's it got yeah yeah um but i don't think it's i mean I, I feel you know even putting it above metal machine music which is an incredibly important again a very very important artifact um i think it feels like you know maybe giving Screamlord lord such a little bit too much credit but i'm kind of willing to do that i'm not sure i'm willing to put it above lulu i'm certainly not willing to but then i'm certainly not willing to put it above red hot chili peppers one minute i'm gonna move that i'm gonna take the, I'm going to, this <laughs> is a military coup this is a fucking <laughs> no, military coup you're not no, no, no. i'm doing it i don't care i okay. can't have that here all this right, is the all problem
1: right. i will make a deal with you the only way you can move it is if you swap it with the darkness that,
0: that's fine cool
1: we're wicked, right live live on air we're not on air uh but we're fucking around with the okay
0: with the... but then i want to put this album below the darkness uh
1: as in as in make it number 81
0: no i want to put red hot chili peppers where darkness is and put the darkness where the red hot chili peppers is oh, I see. and then i want to put the darkness and i want to put this album between the darkness and liz fair because this ain't as good as the darkness so what you've got here, Renfrey, is the same problem.
1: <laughs>
0: um,
1: because
0: I... they're the two, because they're the two best. Because the darkness, one We ticket to Hell and back, and one hot minute are the blatantly the two best albums that we've done. And then, and then, uh, and, and, no, and then, and then Naomi Campbell, <laughs> um, and then Lulu. That's how. That's my own personal ranking of it.
1: Do you know what? I'm 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 happy with yeah, fine. Um I'm happy with that. That would put it number 75 uh, out of 81. I think that's um perfectly fair enough. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. I I've, I don't have too much of a uh, a dog in that race um particularly, so I'm happy to uh to whack him in there. Like I say not that much of a dog in a I mean, I don't mind that Screaming Lord Such is slightly lower than he really probably. Is he deserved to be? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it's better than Liz Fair. Put it this way it's better than Liz Fair. That's what I think.
1: Ooh. Liz Fair and a Hot White Cum? Hmm. don't know. That would have been an what, interesting duet, wouldn't it? Liz Fair and Screaming Lord Such and Hot White Cum.
0: It would have been a really <laughs> fucking bizarre album. Um <laughs> Or.
1: One I'd like to hear though. Would you? Would you? Here's a question. Would you go back to this album? Would you? Would you happily go back to this album and listen to? it There's again? a couple
0: of songs on it that I think I actually would be. That I was like, I think that's well. The second time, could I? Could be whatever that song is called. I've yeah. forgotten what it's called now. But the second track, I, I genuinely think the second track is really, really cool. I and I think the Because uh, I Love You is it called. Because I, I Love I, You. And it's I think, um, well. yeah. uh, I think Baby Come Back as well is like, mm-hmm. sounds like Grooves in the Heart by D-Light done by people who are like mad as fucking shit. But like, <laughs> great. Um, really good. And we have got actually a record which has been getting spoken about next week, or the week after, if we, we'll try and do it next we'll week. We'll try uh, and do it Oh yeah, I'll, I'll be, yeah. Um, it's been getting spoken about, again, in the media at the moment by one of its creators. Born Again by Black Sabbath.
1: Ooh, interesting. Okay.
0: Interesting. So, Geezer Butler's just been defending this record ah. and saying it was good. Couldn't well, we'll defend show him
1: cover art, though, could he? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Definitely right. not. So, there you go. Black Sabbath. Maybe we'll try and get someone from the old metal sphere back uh into the show um look listen thanks very much for listening appreciate your patience as we said thanks very much for all of your uh support and whatnot during the 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 sort of this fallow period that we've been going through we do appreciate it and we will be back kind of post download maybe post nine inch nails as well uh with um all the stuff you love that's my promise to you see you later thanks for listening